1: Hello my fellow bibliophiles, it is Mads and here we are, month two of the Sis book club. Hopefully if you're listening to this you have read Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne, which was the May book club pick. But if you have not, do not worry because I'm going to quickly summarize the book before getting into my conversation with the romance novel queen herself, Sally Thorne. If you haven't already, be sure to join our book club group chat on Bunches to discuss the book of the month along with other recommendations. There are so many awesome women in there, so we'd love to have you in the community as well. The link to join can be found in the show notes and on our Instagram link in bio. May's book club pick is Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne, which is a story about Ruthie, a 25-year-old that lives and works on site at a luxurious retirement community called Providence. With the combination of growing up in a religious household and being bullied at school, she tends to feel safer, more comfortable amongst the retirement community rather than people her own age. Enter Teddy Prescott, a tattoo artist that welcomes constant change in his life. It is a classic opposites attract, and his father happens to own Providence and pushes Teddy to work at the retirement home to learn some discipline. So through this time together, people warn Ruthie about falling for this bad boy, but a friendship grows between them. As Ruthie is looking to come out of her shell, Teddy continues to appreciate her for who she is, tidy, selfless, and unique. And then of course, a charming love blossoms between them. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's discussion on second first impressions with Sally Thorne. How's it going? Hello, Miss Sally Thorne. Okay, Miss Sally Thorne, this is a dream for me, just so you know. Um, First off, I want to acknowledge that my whole romance novel journey actually started with you and The Hating Game. I read it during peak pandemic, and then naturally, I went to TikTok to express my feelings about the book, and I said, If you're looking for an alternative to porn, I would highly recommend reading The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. And much to my surprise, the TikTok went completely viral, which, you know. And so I think if you saw like a peak in book sales that month, that probably was my doing. I like to think that. Um, But I remember I DM'd you about the TikTok and you had said that your friend had shown it to you. And you were like, yeah, but my books like in terms of sexually they're pretty tame compared to the others which was and now that I have been on this journey can confirm.
2: Yeah um look yes I mean I think a lot of people probably would have been disappointed buying the book with that kind of amazing um, recommendation (laughs) to then find that it has one sixteen in it. <laughs> um, so I'm sure you have discovered by now that mine is probably
1: a one out of five. <laughs> exactly. But I think you are so brilliant at the buildup, which I I think is even more compelling than the scene itself. There's this tension that arises in all your books, especially this one too for second, first impressions. But anyways, I just want to thank you first off the bat um, because <laughs> I have been now on this incredible journey of discovering romance novels and talented writers and storytellers like yourself. Um, and now it's my brand and I've am i completely leaned into it. I think it's just, just who I am now um, and people really respond to it. So it's been great.
2: So you didn't even read romance like when you were a kid?
1: No, I, you know, I've always, I was a fiction reader, but then after college I got really into nonfiction. I was reading a lot of business books and I don't know, trying to find myself, I guess. And then I discovered your book from, I think it was Pop Culture Happy Hour. They recommended it on it and I looked to them, read whatever they recommend. And so I started reading it and I was like, Oh wow, this is delightful. And actually, this is the first the first question I want to ask you about romance novel genre in general, right? Like, I think I had the misconception that romance novels are, you know, chick lit. They might feel like intellectually inferior in some way, and I think they have this bad rap of of that, uh, you know, perception. But what I have been realizing through this journey is that they're amazing stories. They're so fulfilling. They're so fun. Um, Just because they're more easier reads does not necessarily make them lesser than. So I would love to hear just your opinion on romance novels in general and the genre and how much it's kind of blown up recently.
2: Well, I think that um, there's so much internalized um, dislike or belittling of anything that women like Mm -hmm. so that's why romance has that rap that it's you know trash or it's you know not not worthy literature because women love it um and I don't think that's right um I've I'm I'm guessing I'm a little bit older than you so I've been reading romance for I I was reading romance when I was 10 years old um so I have I've read every trope that there is. Um, You guys in the States call them, um, what do you call them? Harlequin books. Like, um, yeah, like the really short, um, I think I have one here. I guess this doesn't really um, aid us in a podcast format, but they're just like the really short, um, you know, you know them. They're not really expensive. They're everywhere. You can get them. I was reading those. We call them Mills and Boons in Australia. And I was reading those from when I was really young because, my mum read them, My grandma read them, and they were they were always everywhere. And um like I just fell in love with romance because it's a guaranteed happy ending. like yeah. there's no there's no other space where you get that where you you're buying in and you know that the writer is going to take you there all the way and get these two people together who are on paper. They're not right for each other, and you can see all of the reasons why they should never be together. But you get to take this journey and take this arc and you get to see people confront their their fear or their demon and the other person doing the same until gradually you're seeing how they're just these two perfect puzzle pieces that are going to lock in together. And you see people make a big sacrifice, which, you know, like in real life, you don't often get to see someone make a really big sacrifice to someone else and then you get that happily ever after and all of that can happen in any setting it can be happen on a pirate ship it can happen in an office it can happen now or a thousand years ago and I don't necessarily think that romance has just had a resurgence recently romance has always been there romance has always been like a top-selling genre you know People my age, people my mom's age, my grandma's age, we've always, always been reading romance. So it's never gone anywhere. And I guess just as we gradually um, all become feminist and realise that um, what women are creating is completely valid, um, I guess you are seeing it embrace more in mainstream media, things like, um, for example, a recent example, Bridgerton, Bridgerton. Um, my, my book, The Hating Game, being shot as a movie, these are all further steps showing that mm-hmm. um, why isn't it everywhere because this is the um, highest selling genre of books.
1: It's so it is so true. I mean, there's a reason I'm I'm very attracted to rom-coms and movies that are have these, you know, mm. tied up endings that feel like you're running off into the sunset. And you you just feel good while while watching these while reading them. It's a it's just a way to to feel great and to have a, an escapist uh, experience from your from your daily life. So I am I'm all for it. I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that you know something that women enjoy a lot and probably probably spend a lot of money on Was not deemed as worthy or legitimate, Um, so I'm really happy that the tides are turning and that I mean, you just kind of casually mentioned that the Hating Game is becoming a movie. I mean, just like you know, just a little casual flex there, Um, Mazalto. I'm good. I'm (laughs) good at that. I'll I'll wave it in. Love it. Um, So you mentioned you know tropes in uh, romantic in romance novels. Specifically in Second First Impressions, we have Ruthie, who is this, you know, people pleaser, goody two shoes, um, you know, and Teddy, who is the more bad boy. So it's a classic opposites attract set up. And, you know, when you're starting to develop these characters, do you tend to make their personalities um, have this inherent tension because you think that it will further the plot or is there a strategy behind that?
2: Uh, yeah you just generally try to start off the book with two people that don't fit on the surface Um, and a lot of the book is really about that Um, the title is you know second first impressions just um, and the process of trying to give someone a second impression of yourself Um, uh, yeah you you do you have to start off a book um, with some people that are in opposite sort of places or um, look different um on the outside um you think to yourself how could a little nerdy girl that live that works and lives at a retirement village how could she ever how could she end up this book on the back of a motorbike you know and that's what the reader's looking for when they look on the back of the book they're they're looking for that they they are interested by that and they think to themselves "I want like you know you know what the ending's going to be sometimes um Sometimes I'll see people who I suspect are non-romance readers. They'll put a review that I don't read my reviews, but if I somehow see one, I'll say it was a bit predictable. It's like, well, like I was saying earlier, that this is the pact that I'm making with you when you buy my book in this genre. You have to understand, but it's it's the the journey. Um so of course it's all it's all the strategy, but over it takes time to build up characterization over a number of drafts, I would say. It doesn't all come out perfect.
0: (laughs) One of the most surprising side effects of postpartum for me was that my hair started shedding right around the crown of my head. Now I have these random baby hairs sticking out near my forehead that I just can't figure out what to do with.
1: Yeah, I keep asking
0: you to tame those down, but they seem to be very stubborn. Yes, I know, Mads. After a few months of me not seeing improved hair growth, I knew I needed to give my hair some extra strength and support. Enter Nutrafol. I just got the Nutrafol's postpartum supplement and I'm so excited because I'm committed to supporting my hair health now that I'm postpartum. The next six months is going to be me and Nutrafol. I might
1: not be a mother like Scoutala is, but as you sisters know, we are always on a hair journey here on OK Sister Podcast. I am always looking for a way to up my hair health game. I love Nutrafol because they have a whole body approach, multi-targets, underlying root causes like stress,
0: hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker and stronger hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. okay Let
1: like getting dressed be one less thing to worry about totally i i agree with you there of this safety and trust that you put in to the author when you're reading a romance novel you know the you know the arc i mean it yeah it is a very predicti- predictable format if you will there's you know this tension and then it builds, but then there's like a conflict and then they get, you know, they resolve it. But it is, I love that. It's the journey of how you got there and how um, how the happy ending manifests in itself. So you mentioned the title of the book, Second First Impressions, like obviously about misconceptions that, you know, people when you first meet them, but then when you uncover who they truly are, why was this something that was important for you to explore? Has this come up in your life or is just did it or did you name the book after you wrote it and you're like oh wow this does make sense that they needed to have different impressions of each other moving forward
2: uh titling this book was really hard um for my first two books um i said this is called The hating game and i said cool and then i said this is called 99 percent mine and they were like sounds good and then I everything I offered for this third book they said no no one will buy that and I just I went through I'm probably not even kidding like maybe 30 or 40 different titles oh my God. they kept taking them into like marketing meetings um I, I mean there's a moment where you think hey aren't I the author aren't <laughs> shouldn't I be telling you what this is called but yeah. these are these are people that know what sells they know what looks good on a shelf mm. um and when we came across second first impressions they liked that they liked that the title kind of encapsulates um like a first impression that needs to be redone and why did I write this book about this uh well I I don't really ever set out to like, you know, explore a theme or something like that. I'm just trying to tell a story. Mm. And this was a story that I used to have a little daydream when I worked in a really boring office. I had a friend in that office and we used to joke to each other on those like terrible work days that when we were very old and when we were very rich, we were going to retire together to a retirement village. We'd be roommates. And we would hire a young guy, and he was going to be our assistant. And no matter what we told him to do, he would do it. So if we wanted him to go down to Chanel for us; he'd do it. If we wanted him to go and get us pizza, he'd do it. So we used to just like have this like little running daydream about the sort of things we'd get him to do. And um, so I've had that this story in my head for ten years. Um, and
1: so you wanted to be you wanted to be Renata, which is ex- like. I resonate so much with that character. I need to be her okay. when I'm older. Like there's no other <laughs> well, person. Well, I'm actually an, I'm
2: actually an Aggie. I would be <laughs> Aggie in this scenario. <laughs> okay. Um so when the when you have a um a book deal, sometimes it feels a lot like a blank check because they're just like tell us a story and this was the story that I've always wanted to write, but of course I needed a um sort of a, a nice dry narrator who's going to be witnessing all of this absolute mayhem and silliness. Um so that's where Ruthie comes in and she's um I think she's every bit as funny as the rest of the characters um in her um observations and her sort of real dry wit. Um and she's just really like this, you know, like there's always a straight man and a funny man in like comedy situations and she's just trying to trying to like stay professional. Um and but at the same time um you know she's she's trying to act her age a little bit more because she's been feeling pretty old lately um that's really a lot of what the book's about and you know I sometimes feel like this book is kind of like my version of Mary Poppins that the old ladies come down to the front office saying they need a new boy they need a new assistant and they've got their their wish list of what he should be like and Ruthie sort of sort of tosses it into the fireplace you know like I'll give you one last try, but you know, once, if you can't find him, you've got to, got to get someone sensible. you have got to get a, you know, an aged care nurse that can, can sort your life out for you. And then then he floats in on the, on the, on the breeze, like Mary Poppins. So, um, Hmm.
1: I mean, something also I really appreciated about, about the story is it's really focused on Ruthie coming out of her shell, um, you know, going through this method by Melanie of, you know finding a boyfriend finding a partner and transforming a little bit but i was i really appreciated that there wasn't this like moment where she kind of like you know takes off her glasses and like <laughs> her hair is straight or whatever and suddenly she's like this gorgeous person throughout the time we see her still staying very true to herself and also teddy really emphasizing how much he wants her to stay true to herself and who she is and does not want her to change. Was that a conscious decision for you? Because I was worried at the end that it would come out to this like, oh no, she needs to change for a boy, but it really wasn't that at all.
2: No, I think, um, I think current readers and modern readers don't tolerate things like people having to change significantly for that, for their, you know, for their beloved, you know, the, the scene at the end of Grease where Sandy turns up in the new outfit mm-hmm. and then Danny turns up in, in his letterman jacket never really sat well with me because as soon as the song starts he throws off the jacket and he's back to being himself whereas she's looks like a completely different person trying to work out how to stub out a cigarette um like that's not my jam uh, and I've there was nothing wrong with Ruthie at all um she just needed to she didn't even need to step foot off Providence where she lives she just had to like open herself to a possibility and um, that's really what the book's about and he liked her just how she was right from the beginning and you know like why why would he well why not you know um just because he's all covered in tattoos and he's got that long beautiful hair and has a motorbike, you know, like that's just his disguise that he's put on himself a little bit. Um, yeah,
1: totally. And you mentioned, you know, her having this fear of stepping outside of the retirement community and, you know, there's themes of like isolation and, um, comfort zone and sounds a lot like what we've been going through the past year of all of us (laughs) kind of staying put within our little comfort zone and circle. So, when did you write this and were you predicting the future is kind of what I want to know because it felt, yes. I felt like Ruthie. I was like, oh my God, I'm a f- I'm fearful of stepping out into the real world. But, um, you know, I love that you say that even she didn't need to step out to, to find herself there, but there is this, this constant pull between her and the, in the outside world.
2: Yeah, well, the true instigator of everything is her um, temp assistant in the office, Melanie. Melanie's the Melanie's the instigator. And if, Ted, if Teddy hadn't turned up, things still would have happened and unfolded in a different way um, because it was Melanie that first noticed that Ruthie um, just needed a little push. Um, and Melanie was perfectly placed. She's had every job there ever was. And she's very well qualified in helping people find love. And so um, Melanie was the little spark that started it all off, um, and got Ruthie to think in the first place about breaking out of her shell. And um, did, when did I write this? Um, this is not my pandemic book. My pandemic book is like ten times weirder than this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think wait. I'd I'd finished I'd finished this, and um, I you know books when they come out they've they've usually been pretty much done for over a year or. Um, and you just have to do, go through like the editing and copy editing so I was copy editing it during the um, start of the pandemic and thinking oh yeah I've sort of like you know like this sort of dovetails in nicely with this kind of current world and you know I feel like Taylor Swift and I might have had a bit of a um, a mind meld across the miles because I was like oh wow like this does have some cozy cottage vibes this is folklore yeah. this is like this is like a a misty hill with a crop of pine trees on it, you know, like, yeah, yeah, there's definite vibes. Um, so I, I, I mean, I do live in the future technically, um, because I am Australian obviously. So I am in the future. Um, I am only like, for example, I am tomorrow. Um, so uh, (laughs) how does the planet work? Uh, let's do a separate podcast on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all worked out well. Everything yeah. everything that you write ends up hitting hitting at the right time for someone. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Um okay, so we need to talk about the sex scenes. And I know that there's only one in this book and there's there's only one in the hating game, but you write them very, very well. And something I'm just so intrigued by on this romance novel journey I'm going on is I find that it's so uh impressive for writers to create these scenes and not make them feel cringy or cheesy because I think it could go that way so what is your experience how do you approach writing a scene like this do you have to be in like a certain mood do you have to be drunk do you have to be I don't know like what is what do you what kind of vibe do you get into to to write these types of scenes Uh, well, first of all, you have to forget that
2: your relatives will read it
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) because my
2: my mom reads me, my mother-in-law reads me, my father-in-law reads me, (laughs) my aunt, basically everyone that I know will read it. So first of all, you have to, you have to take a sharp fruit knife and you need to cut out that section of your brain that knows that and put it in Tupperware, set it aside. Um, (laughs) I mean, sex scenes are important in my opinion because especially in a book like Second First Impressions where you're in Ruthie's head the whole time it's done in first person, wouldn't make sense to skip over it because it would be a monumental moment for her um, and something that she's experiencing in real time. Um, So I feel like you guys have had a build-up. We're at that point now where emotion kind of overspills and it's just another way of demonstrating love without words Um, although I think what makes a good sex scene is um, very often the dialogue you know people will remember that long after the book has ended look I don't find them particularly easy to write it's hard hard to write a kiss in a way that you don't repeat the word lips like every single sentence it's all just kind of technical, technical writing where you're trying to describe something in a creative way. Um, it doesn't sound very romantic, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, if you guys are all imagining that I do this, like, while I'm in a bubble bath, like, um, <laughs> uh, really, I mean, no. You, you just have to, like, build layer upon layer until um, until you've gotten them there and um, this is, I don't know it's not necessarily a question that makes me uncomfortable but it is a question that people are really interested in including people you know that i've worked with in the past will ask me questions like this and i'm like i don't know i just i just find it to be a natural part of the story and as i already said i've put part of my brain in a tupperware box so um i think that's the best answer i can give you guys
0: Promo code OKSIS15, 15
1: Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self-care, you deserve it. That's great. It's a fabulous answer. Is there a reason you typically only write like one or two scenes or is does that... Is that because of the tension build and you think it's more impactful if there's only one at the end? Or do you not think that way?
2: Are you telling is this your way of asking me to write more sex scenes in my books?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. I thought Sally, so. yes. I, this is my secretive way of asking you to write more sex scenes. You were
2: fairly transparent in your line of questioning.
1: <laughs> Have you ever thought of
2: writing ten in the book instead of one? Is that something you've ever thought about? You're you're just you're artful in your way of asking these questions (laughs) um i mean look other another person who has written their version of the hating game you know like i'm not the first person to have written a a book set in an office um right you know for example um my friends christina and lauren who write together as christina lauren they wrote a book called beautiful bastard which was set in an office um, between with two characters who hated each other and that book is teeming with sex it's got a sex scene almost every chapter and I mean it's it's just whoever's writing the book and um, it's what their their taste level and their preference is um, so I guess this is mine that um, it's if you want the scenes to be meaningful and emotional um, you you have to have a build up and you know, I've, maybe I'm not that skilled yet, or maybe this is just how I prefer to do things, but I will take your request under advisement. You have to understand as well too, that like, now that I've got three books, um, you know, there'll be people that will expect a certain, the, you know, you'll, if you'll pick up a book and you'll think, oh, Sally Thorne book, this is what I think it will be like. Right. Um, and if it's too, if I just write one, that's like wall to wall sex next, it will be a bit jarring. Um, I mean, except for you, like you'll, you'll definitely buy it, but <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I'll buy it and I'll write, sure. I'll write the good, but yeah, I'll write the reviews. <laughs> don't even worry about it.
2: Awesome. Um, okay. One sale. <laughs> <no>.
1: <laughs> I love it. Okay. So to wrap everything up, I have some rapid fire question for you. They're not intimidating. Don't worry. Um, okay. number one, what does literary success look like to you?
2: Hmm just having someone send you an email saying that they loved your book and it got them Mm -hmm. through a hard time and that it's their favorite book and that when they're having a shit day they'll just pick it up and read a few pages of it and then they'll feel better and then they can go back to their terrible day job and um carry on that's that's what
1: yeah it's a form of escapism as I said before and I think that's what a lot of people run to your books for. They're it's incredible for that. Um okay, number 2, what is your favorite underappreciated novel?
2: Uh, I'm sitting here, I'm my brain has completely blanked. I've forgotten every book that has ever been published in the history of mankind. <laughs> I'm looking desperately <laughs> at my bookshelves. I can't see anything. Or just
1: one that or just one that you've loved recently
2: well, if I say it's underrated and then um, people say, well, actually, no, that was incredibly popular and well-loved, then I'll look like (laughs) a jerk, won't I? Um, (laughs) uh, I've got, I I think maybe I'm going to be boring and say that I think a lot of classics are like people maybe don't appreciate them for what they are anymore. Like um, really old books, like Little Women or Mm -hmm. uh, Totally Blanking. You you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'll often read, I'll often read like, children's books like heidi or the little white horse or alice through the looking glass like i love old classics like that and like national velvet like really we're talking really old books here Um, i think that they're as funny and fresh as the day they were written
1: i love that that's amazing okay how do you select the names of your characters do you have just like a running google doc where you just have like cool names you like
2: uh, I do have a list of names. When I hear a name that I like, I'll put it in my phone. Um, but I also have a baby book beside my um, computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and a baby book features in um, Second First Impressions, funnily enough. <laughs> so it's, it's the same book that I have um, <laughs> beside me.
1: I love that. Um, is there anything that you edited out of Second First Impressions?
2: uh no not really just um I write pretty long so my editor just asked me to tighten up some scenes um because if I had my way they would just sit there forever Forever. looking at each other staring at each other (laughs) looking at she's looking at his hair mesmerized um my editor was like a few points she was like i th- i think we get it He's, she does really <laughs> like his hair and i was like no like, i'm we, keeping it all in we get <laughs> it
1: he has long luscious hair i could have
2: had more <laughs> he has my personal goal to make everyone fall in love with teddy's hair who is its own character in the book
1: i mean it worked it worked okay the last one what was the hardest scene to write in this book
2: hardest uh i guess i guess the ending where mm-hmm. it all I don't like writing the part in the book where it all falls apart after they've just gotten so happy. Mm. Um, I always don't like doing that bit. um, So I guess I would say that.
1: Yeah, that is, that's tricky. Okay. Miss Sally Thorne, this was delightful. This was such a pleasure for me. You are the romance novel queen in my eyes. I want (laughs) to know what is next for you. You, we mentioned the hating game movie, which just, uh, mazel Tov, it's going to be incredible I'm so excited uh, What's next for you? More <laughs> books on the horizon The movie, What what's going to go on?
2: Uh, well um, The movie is in post-production So that means they're doing the final cut Putting all the music and soundtrack on Fixing the, the lighting and mm-hmm. Coloring um, So once we have a final version Then it will be shown to distributors To tr- Then we will know How you will see it Either streaming or in a cinema, and when you'll see it. Um, so that's the only question anyone ever asks me, and I don't, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> and I've got, I'm doing one more book under my current contract. Um, so I've um, finished the draft on that. Um, and I mean, I hope that I can continue to write more and more books. I've got three books on my little bookshelf here, but I hope one day I have 10 books or even more. Who knows? Mm -hmm.
1: You will. And we are looking forward to all of them um, with the suggestion of more sex scenes from Mads. Uh, We can, you know, just note that in. Um, Thank you so (laughs) much for doing this. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on social or a website?
2: Oh, sure. Um, I guess Instagram is probably where I and the most, um, I think it's Sally Thorne author. I don't really use Twitter anymore. I decided to put all of my funny thoughts into my books instead of free on the internet. I love. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, my website is um dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Or you can just imagine me in Australia, sitting under a eucalyptus tree. Yeah. That works too.
1: In folklore, nature, in just you know. Cottagecore.
2: Australian style. Yeah. With a koala on my knee.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you sisters for reading the book, for listening. And you can find us at OKSIS OK Podcast. Love you.
2: Thank you guys so much for reading it. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
1: Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.